0: one Corinthians chapter fifteen verses one to twenty two Now I would remind you, brothers, of the Gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you now stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Today's a very special day, um, as we just discovered. So what, what's special about today? Easter Sunday? Christ is risen? Yep. Now, what other reason is it special? April Fool's Day, that's right. Um, a, a day where pranks are played and practical jokes are made and you've always just got to be that little bit more wary about what you believe. Even listening to the news, they'll quite often throw something in there that goes, really? Oh, that, I didn't think that would ever happen. then you tell somebody else and they go, y- you know what date it is, don't you? Like, it is the 1st of April. Oh, okay. So, so you've just got to be careful because somebody might be pulling your leg. Do they have April Fool's Day in South Africa, Audrey? They do? Yep. Very good. And, and um, if you're somebody who's that little bit gullible um, and a little bit prone to believing the unbelievable, then today's the day you've got to watch out for because you might find that the joke is on you when you hear those mocking words April Fool. You're grinning. Have you been gotten today, have you, Jodie? When you said that. Oh, really? Who'd have thought that you were that little bit gullible? What it is, is it's a sign of your trust. You're just so trusting. Yeah. Okay, so has anyone been caught out yet today? Nobody. Wow. You're all too good and honest. That's amazing. Okay, well, Easter Sunday, also known as Resurrection Sunday. Who's the April Fool? Uh, Those who are wise by worldly standards would say, The joke's on you Christians. You Christians, you're a bunch of fools to believe that Jesus is raised from the dead. (laughs) April fools. But who is the fool? When Jesus was put to death on a Roman cross of crucifixion and his body was laid in a tomb and then a large rock was rolled across the entrance of it and it was sealed and then they put a Roman guard there to make sure that the body couldn't be stolen away. You can just imagine what they're thinking. You disciples of Jesus, you fools. There's no way that you're going to be able to claim that Jesus has risen from the dead because we've made certain that you cannot steal the body of Jesus and claim that he has. You can't fool us. But then their plan was all just turned on its head on that very first Resurrection Sunday when the two Marys went to the tomb. And guess what? The tomb was empty, not a body to be found. Who's the fool then? You think you can prevent the Lord God Almighty from raising Jesus Christ from the dead? Who are the fools? But you see, the credibility of the whole concept of Christianity, whether the gospel is an outright con or whether it is the most important truth that has ever been told to the world depends completely on the truth or the fiction of the one claim that Jesus rose from the dead. Both the men's Bible study group and the ladies' Bible study have recently taken a bit of time out from our studies to watch a movie, The Case for Christ. Uh, It's a true story about an atheist uh, and his quest to disprove the resurrection. Uh, His wife had gotten tangled up with these Christians, and he said, How could you do that? We're both atheists. How could you do that? And so he went on this quest to try and disprove the resurrection. Because he knew all he had to do was discredit the resurrection, and he knew that everything else would crumble before him. It it would just demolish the very foundations of Christianity, and therefore negate any value that could be found in the gospel. And yet, this avowed atheist, as he sought to build his case against the resurrection, and therefore against the validity of Christianity itself, he found himself being in a very real predicament. Because the more that he looked at it, the more he realized that he couldn't find any evidence against the resurrection. In fact, he was finding evidence for the resurrection. And so he had set out to objectively disprove Christianity, but the opposite happened. As soon as he started looking at the resurrection objectively, instead of with his perspective of it couldn't have happened, he very quickly found that he had no choice but to become a believer himself. And what an amazing testimony that man has. There's pretty much no argument against Jesus being born. There's pretty much no argument against Jesus being executed. What the world cannot handle is that Jesus has been raised from the dead. Because if this is true, if it is true that Jesus has been raised from the dead, then that has very serious ramifications on how we have to respond to Jesus. If Jesus didn't rise, if Jesus is still dead, then there's nothing to worry about. He's just another world figure who lived and died. Just another one who just becomes an obscure person of history. But if Jesus has risen... That means that Jesus is Lord. That means that everything that Jesus said is true. If Jesus is risen, it becomes an absolute necessity for us to bow our knee before him. Our very eternity depends upon it. The whole gospel hinges on the resurrection. If it's not true... Then none of the gospel has any value at all. This is why Paul outlines the most important foundations of the gospel. Firstly, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. It it was no accident that Jesus died. It was no hurriedly thought out plan B when when God sent Jesus into the world and then people didn't accept him. And God well, what can I do now? That that was nothing at all to do with it. It was his plan right from the beginning. It was foretold in the Old Testament. And there was a purpose in Christ dying so that we could be forgiven of our sins. Secondly, he was buried. We we hear a bit lately about fake news. That's the new word, isn't it? Fake news. Um, There's nothing new about fake news. Fake news has always been around. You know, when Jesus rose from the dead, they tried to spread the rumour that, oh, his disciples stole him away. Really? The Roman guard just let, him, let the disciples take him. Hmm, really? That was one rumour they spread. But another bit of fake news that tried to get used is he wasn't really dead. He was just pretending. You know, he sort of pretended and, <gasps> you know, gets, did an Oscar-winning appearance but there was nothing fake about the death of Jesus. You know, the Romans, they were really good at something. Killing people. That, that's what they were really good at. And, and these were seasoned soldiers. They had executed hundreds, if not thousands of people by crucifying them. This was not a new gig for them. And they were very confident that this man was dead. And to make sure, they lanced him in the side with a spear and blood and water flowed and the medical experts will tell you that's sure and certain sign that somebody is dead once the water separates out thirdly he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures the resurrection shouldn't have been a surprise either it also was foretold jesus told his disciples that he was going to be raised from the dead but go back into the old testament it's there as well Now, these are the things that Paul says are of first importance. You see, everything hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. And to prove the resurrection, he produces a bit of a witness list. What's the proof that we have of the resurrection? Eyewitnesses, and lots of them. He tells us Jesus appeared to Cephas, that's the Jewish name for Peter, then to the twelve, meaning his closest group of disciples, and some would go, ah, but, but Judas had died by then, so there was only 11. But no, there was always more than 12. They just re- There was the 12 special ones, but there was always more than 12. In fact, after Judas had died, later on, they, they sort of decided, okay, well, we've got to choose somebody to replace him so that there's still 12. And they came up with two names. These blokes have been with us right from the beginning. They've been there. They've seen everything. They've done everything that the t- other 12 have done. Those two people were, were Joseph, also called Barsabbas, and Matthias, and then they cast lots, and Matthias was the one who got the Guernsey. But, so there was, he appeared to the twelve, but then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, and Paul makes it clear to these fellows at the time that he wrote this, most of those 500 were still alive. A few of them have died, but most of them are still alive. If you don't believe me, go and contact one of them. Check it out. They'll tell you that Jesus rose. Then he appeared to James. Then he appeared to all the apostles. And then last of all, last of all he appeared to Paul himself. Now, when Jesus appeared to Paul, uh, he was still going by his Jewish name, Saul. And he was on a bit of a mission to kill Christians. What he was doing was he's going on his way to Damascus and there he is going to arrest Christians and take them back to Jerusalem for a trial. And he refers to himself as the least of the apostles and as to the one untimely born. Now that's a nice way of saying I'm an abortion of an apostle. The the, the Greek word is literally miscarriage. I... Didn't go the road of the normal apostles. I am a terrible apostle. Why did Paul feel so inadequate? Because in his eyes, he he did not deserve to be an apostle of Jesus. He persecuted God's church. How could he ever deserve God's mercy? Well, he couldn't. None of us can deserve God's mercy, but by the grace of God, Paul became an apostle of Christ. And once he'd met the risen Lord Jesus, there was no going back for him. He gave up all to serve Christ with every part of his being. Now, what could do that? What could bring such an enormous change in a man? Here he was, he was a persecutor of Christians, and now he had become a leader of Christians. He was somebody who had made his life's work to try and stamp out the gospel. And then he became somebody, it became his life's work to preach the gospel and to share the gospel. And he lost his life in the end for the gospel. What could do that to shift a man from that perspective to another? A risen saviour. That's what did it. But Paul lists all of these people who are eyewitnesses to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And even then, it wasn't an exhaustive list. He didn't even mention the women who, who were the first ones on the scene. They were the first to see Jesus alive. He didn't mention the disciples on the road to Emmaus. But still, I reckon any court of law would take those 500-odd witnesses, and that would be enough to prove that Jesus wasn't dead, even though his execution was considered a success. So, what's the consequences of Jesus being alive or not being alive? Does it make any difference? If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, what difference would it make? Well, firstly, if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, we can't be raised from the dead. If Jesus didn't conquer death, there'd be no such thing as eternal life. But because Jesus was raised from the dead, he became what Paul calls the first fruits of the resurrection. Because there is proof that Jesus is raised, disciples of Jesus, those people who follow Jesus and give their hearts to him, can have every confidence that we also will be raised to eternal life. But if Jesus wasn't raised, Paul says, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ, that means those who have died, as believers have perished right if Jesus hasn't risen we'll just become tucker for worms and that's it secondly if Jesus wasn't raised then the whole Christian faith is a sham now some people would say yep that's the way it is if Jesus wasn't raised the whole Christian faith is a sham preachers of the gospel would be nothing other than people who had deceived themselves or who are con men trying to deceive others so i would either be a deceiver or deceived paul says if christ has not been raised then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain it's all pointless Thirdly, if Christ has not been raised, our faith is futile and we're still dead in our sins. What, what do you consider to be the greatest need for humanity? Now, when we went to school, I think we were taught about a thing called, is it Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Is, yeah, that's what it's called. Yep. Yeah. And what do they list? Things like food, shelter, um, Anybody know? Doesn't matter. We can have so some people would say food is our greatest need, followed by shelter. Maybe medicine. Maybe love. A teenager would probably say smartphone, that's our greatest need. You know what our greatest need is? To be set free from sin. More important than food, more critical than shelter, is release from guilt. A life without shame. And that only comes through Jesus. If Jesus hasn't been raised, then sin hasn't been overcome. And we would still be dead in our sins. And fourthly, Paul says, if if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Why would he say that? tell you why disciples of Jesus don't live for this life we live for eternity while the world pursues physical and financial gain in this life disciples of Jesus are more likely to just give it away they give to the poor and the needy they care for those who have no one to care for them they love those who are unloved and we do all this knowing that we have a reward in heaven you now Jesus talked about don't tra- store up treasures on earth where ro- rust and moth destroy, but tra- up, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. While the world pursues pleasure and does whatever makes them feel good, disciples of Jesus deny themselves to follow him. While the world give themselves over to what is the prevailing principle or beliefs of the day, disciples of Jesus are imprisoned, tortured, executed because they will not deny Christ. And over the last couple of decades, this very day, Easter Sunday, is the day more than any other that the persecuted church, churches in lands where people hate them, are attacked. And I think we can pretty confidently expect that this very day that Christians will be attacked and threatened with death unless they deny Jesus. And they won't deny Jesus. And they will die. Now, why would they do that? If the resurrection didn't happen, denying ourselves in this life, And living for eternity would be pointless. We would be to be pitied more than anybody else. But here's the thing today is what we call Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive, Christ has risen. And in the resurrection, he conquered death. He conquered sin. He proved his lordship. He gives us assurance of the hope of salvation. He encourages us to live for eternity. He gives life. Everything, everything hinges on the resurrection. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, you might as well pack up and go home now. Don't even bother worrying about staying for the last couple of songs. There's no point in being here. If Jesus isn't risen from the dead, you might as well go home because everything I'm saying is useless because I'm just a con man. As a famous atheist once said, there's probably no God, so stop worrying and enjoy your life. And if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, you can take his advice. But if Jesus was raised from the dead, that changes everything changes everything that means that God has a valid call on your life just as God has a valid call on my life it means that Jesus is Lord and he demands our loyalty and he deserves it that means that the God the creator of heaven and earth gave up everything for you he gave up everything for me And yet he lives. He did it to bring us into relationship with him. And he will not take no as an answer. If Jesus is alive, and I know that he is, the day to respond to him is today. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, how wonderful it is that you are raised from the dead. Just as in the life of Adam, all humanity entered into sin and are condemned by sin and all humanity die. So too, through the risen Lord Jesus Christ, your faithful disciples shall be made alive. Lord, we want to thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the gift of eternal life. Lord, in the light of the resurrection, it it cannot be argued against that you are Lord. You deserve our allegiance. You deserve our love. You deserve to be served by every part of our being. And yet we don't do this out of of compulsion, but as an act of love and worship. To you, our risen Saviour and Lord, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.